The Kindness Podcast is made possible by Cornwell Properties in Athens, Ohio. Cornwell Properties offers Ohio University students the best locations to live in Athens. All of their apartments are either on Court Street or within one block. Cornwell Properties. Location matters. Visit their website, cornwellpropertiesathens.com, for more information. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Bill Baker and Michael O'Malley are on a mission. They want to change the way organizations are managed. In their new book, Organizations for People, they dive into what makes a company a great place to work and the principles every organization can adapt and follow in its own unique way. I'm joined by Bill Baker today to talk about how to make employee engagement more than just a fancy phrase. First of all, I just want to jump into the conversation with you and um, and understand more about the book. You looked at 21 companies with a reputation for being the best companies to work for. And I love the book because part one, you know, chapter one is kindness in the workplace. So what were some of the qualifications of what makes a company great to work for? Well, I mean, there are a whole bunch of things. And I'd say I'd say one of the most important things are kind bosses, kind leaders. But usually it's the mission. Uh, I mean, the mission can be a company that is in all these companies were basically for-profit businesses. But they were for-profit businesses that had a higher mission other than just making money. Maybe it was being the very best at making huge fans and being uh, and being very nice to their employees who made made it happen uh, or uh, or it might have been making the best video games in the world but in order to do that you really took care of your people in the process um, and it's usually always um, a trilogy of things uh, for example uh, yes uh, you have to be whatever you are, you know, the best video game maker. But you also have to care about your employees. You have to care about your customers. And you have to care about the ownership. So you add all those things together, they all have to be very much part of the system. And do you feel like it's not enough to just kind of sort of know in the back of their mind that they want to be good to people? Do do the successful companies really lay it out? They usually do, yes, at least the ones that we saw. And we had no way to know whether or not these were the best uh, of all. Uh, there you know, certainly may have been others. There were some that really you know, could uh, jump out. Uh, and also, you know, just to be a kind boss doesn't always mean that you're loved. <laughs> uh, it just means that you're respected and trusted. And that uh, that that goes a lot further than oh say he's he or she is a nice person and boy we enjoy being with him or her uh, that's not good enough that's really not good enough it's got to be really full trust. Mm-hmm. So employee engagement sounds like a great idea, but to me it also sounds like it might be an expensive idea. How can the little guys get involved? Well, it's not expensive at all because. Oh. Treating people really well, uh, even if you're a, a you know you know usually especially if you're a very small business, you're relying on one or two or three incredible employees, and they have to really carry their weight. Well, they're if they feel like they're just coming to work or doing the work remotely just to make a buck, they're only going to put in the minimum amount of effort. 
But if they feel like, oh, the person I'm working for is so important and this the value of this business is so critical to our society, I'm going to give it the extra effort. We found that very much when I was running public television in New York that, uh, I mean, people were willing to work for much less than some of our commercial competitors, but they did because, the, you know, very gifted people could have had jobs anywhere in the media, but they believed in what they were doing and they believed in us for allowing them to be themselves and to maximize uh, uh, their abilities. Um, it's true, too, uh, uh, the person who wrote the foreword of our book, Organizations for People, about caring cultures and better lives at work is um, uh, a woman by the name of Rachel Moore. Rachel Moore was a ballet dancer uh, and a very good one from California. She was brought to New York when she was 18, even though she was offered a job when she was 16, but her parents wouldn't let her leave home. <laughs> she came to New York uh, with no education other than a high school education. Uh, was a successful ballet dancer at the uh, American Ballet Theater uh, in the Corps de Ballet. And then at the age of 25, broke, broke her ankle. Uh, and that, when you're a ballet dancer, puts you out of business. Mm -hmm. She had no uh, real education, had a very hard time getting into college, ultimately went to Brown University, I think on a, on a scholarship though, and then, um, then went to business school, and uh, had a few other jobs. When came back, was the uh, came back to New York as the head of the ballet company. Now she is the uh, 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 president and CEO of the Music Center of Los Angeles, which is a huge Lincoln Center style operation, two thousand employees, and everything she does is about caring for her people. And for example, her senior manager. You know when you're when you have an operation that big, you can't be talking every day to all 2,000 people. Right. But she, of course, does talk to her managers. And they all have goals and objectives that they have to agree to. But the way she does it is that when she reviews how they've done, if they haven't, if they've accomplished whatever they were supposed to accomplish, but did it in the process, of, in, in the process were beating up their people, she doesn't consider that accomplished. She says you have to, you have to do things where you're nice to people. You get the job done, but you're nice to people at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now, all of the industrial psychological uh, studies, and my co-author is a full-time industrial psychologist, and I have a PhD in organizational behavior and communications, uh, so we know about the research. We've seen a lot of the studies, and virtually all of the studies say that if you're nice to people, if you're kind, uh, in the long run, you will be successful. In other words, uh, yes, you know, I mean, it is so popular right now to beat the heck out of people, to be that killer boss, you're fired kind of stuff, you know, to, op uh, to manage with fear. Fear is a powerful tool, mm -hmm. but if you want... If you want to make it in the long haul, fear never works. It never works because nobody can take it, uh, and they ultimately wind up leaving, and you wind up leave, losing your best people. So to get back to answering your question, uh, in a small business, it's even more important because, one, it's usually so intimate, and, number two, 
you are really reliant on these people and you, and if they're good people, which they had better be, you can't afford to lose them. You can't afford to have them swing in and out because you really don't have any backups. So it sounds to me like when we're talking about employee engagement, I think of, okay, this corporation spends a lot of money to create a daycare program and, you know, they, they give their employees volunteer day offs and, and different things like that. But, but really what employee engagement comes down to is making each employee feel valuable Yes, valuable, fulfilled, giving them their heads. I mean, part of it is also giving them the feeling of independence, you know, letting them know, hey, I really uh, can do what I think is best. I never forgot when I first uh, there were two interesting stories that happened to me when I went into public television. I had been a commercial broadcaster for many, many years and uh, and I uh, came to. Uh, public TV in New York as the president and had not even been in the building. I, I, had, I, I was working in New York. I was hired by the board, but I'd never been in the building. And um, uh, so the day I started the job, I, w- I was, of course, in the building and I was in the elevator, one of the elevators, and it was jammed. And this little woman stood next to me and she looked up at me and she said, um, she was really a little woman because I'm not that tall myself. <laughs> and she said, you're Baker, aren't you? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, look, I'm a volunteer here. This is an incredible place. Don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I never forgot that. And I thought, wow. I said, this is a different experience than one I've ever had before. Then, um, oh, maybe two months into the job, I went into one of the control rooms where there was a woman uh, directing a, uh, making a documentary uh, on some subject. <laughs> and uh, I sat in the control room with her and watched for about, uh, you know, half an hour. And, uh, and then I, you know, I came up to her and I said, you know, excuse me, I, I have a few suggestions. I made a few suggestions that were not substantive. They were suggestions in production, you know, production techniques and things that I thought would add some value to the uh, film. Now, uh, I mean, I felt com- I was, not, I, you know, I, I was uh, comfortable doing that because, you know, by that time I had won, you know, seven Emmy Awards. I had been, or, you know, five or something, you know, a lot of awards. I had been a very successful uh, commercial television uh, and film producer. So, um, so I felt comfortable doing that. That's what I did. We had a production company when I was at Westinghouse. I was president of their production company in Hollywood. So that's what I kind of did. And, uh, and then uh, she said, thank you very much. And then uh, I looked and I said, uh, I, 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 don't think, I don't think you're going to do this, are you? And I said, you, <laughs> was it because I she said, didn't take notes? Do you realize who I am? <laughs> you know, I, I shouldn't have said that probably, but I did because I was kind of shocked. And she said, yes, I know who you are. And I said, well, then why aren't you going to do this? And she said, because I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, oh, my gosh, this is a different world. Probably back in the world that I was from, uh, which was, uh, you know, Hollywood uh, uh, commercial television, I probably would have fired her. But I thought that's where I had to make the decision. I thought, am I in a different business? Am I in the kind of business where our goal is to give our most creative people their total head? 
and let them make their mistakes, but also let them be creative behind anything I'm capable of. And I chose the latter, and that led to a 20-year successful career uh, in public media. So, uh, so yes, the long haul, that's what I'm talking about, and I'm talking about giving individuals their head. I'm sure she didn't like me even, you know, but she, we respected one another mm-hmm. and that, that was what, what we we're talking about, at least in this case, about kind leadership. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to know when, when, when does the foot have to come down? It's like parenting. When does the foot have to come down and when do I have to say, okay, you know yes, what? Oh, no, very often kind leaders, uh, have to, I mean, it's, uh, it, you have to, uh, uh, fire people, let them go. Uh, I mean, you, you will never know how many people I've had to over a long career like mine where I've had to let important people, many people go. A matter of fact, when I was president of Westinghouse television, I had division presidents reporting to me and they'd always would send in some of their top people that had to be fired. They'd have me do it because, <laughs> and I said, well, I don't want to be firing all these people. Why am I doing it? And they said, well, because you do it so well. <laughs> and I think that is true because I did it with some s- sincerity. I would explain to the individuals that look, because first you have to, you have to protect your company. Uh, and if a person is doing a, uh, an inadequate job, uh, or worse, is unruly uh, um, or out of hand, um, you're not, that person's not only hurting him or herself, they're hurting the entire enterprise, all the other people that are trying to do good work. Right. So that's one thing. Yeah. Uh, the other is, is that if they can't do the job, they may be wonderful people, but just can't, aren't up to the job. It's not in their skill set. Well, it's a disservice to them, I point out. I said, you know, you're a wonderful person and you're very skilled at a lot of things, but this isn't one of them. You know, we're doing you a favor by trying to help you find something else where you could be very good and could shine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I would kind of go through the litany of things and explain why we cared about them and why we cared about the company and it was just not working out. And um, often people would be halfway down the hall uh, before they realized that uh, they had been fired. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, like, wait a minute, what just happened there? <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Well, it is hard to give your all when you feel like you're expendable or you feel like, well, my boss is really looking at me and they don't like what I'm doing or they're giving me suggestions and I'm not implementing or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I wonder. Yeah, let me how, talk about that. Yeah. How, how do uh, leaders you know, reassure? Yeah, let me talk about that. First, um, that is a terrible thing. If you're in an environment where they feel, uh, let me give you some statistics. 75% of the workers in America say their boss is the most stressful part of their work. Oh my. 36% of employees say they have dysfunctional managers. That's a strong word, dysfunctional. Wow. 36% of people working in America say their their manager is dysfunctional. There's a recent Canadian study that said two out of five Canadians quit because of a bad boss. Um, so, um, and then by the way, in 2015, an NBC poll said most people would forego a 10% pay raise in exchange for a kinder boss. So all of the things you said are true. And that's, and what I mean is when, uh, when there, when sometimes a kind leader has to fire someone, that doesn't mean that happens very often. It means it happens very, very rarely. Usually, uh, in a kind company, 
Nobody's looking over their shoulder. Nobody is looking over their shoulder. You know, maybe out of a thousand people, there are a few people every year fired, but out of a thousand, that's statistically, you know, insignificant. Mm-hmm. Uh, only because everybody knows, usually including the individual, him, him or herself, that they're not uh, able to do the job uh, or they really don't want the job. But so never is there an environment where somebody feels like they're under suspicion or they're not given their full head because another key element of what we talk about is a culture of respect and a culture in which too we celebrate others. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing, you know, celebrate the success of others. It's not the boss taking the credit. It's the boss giving the credit to those who deserve it. That's so, what it's all about. I would like to to hear your thoughts on speaking to that that one third, the one third who feels like they have a dysfunctional boss. Now, those dysfunctional bosses aren't the ones that are going to be reading your leadership books. They are not going to be implementing <laughs> your training. So what can an employee do to create a, a better work culture when the boss is not on board? Well, I mean, the first thing one an employee does when you have a dysfunctional boss is what most of them all do which is they, they don't necessarily walk out the door that day, although some do. Uh, you know, the Canadian studies said two and five do. But usually, uh, you just find another job and get the heck out of there. If you have a dysfunctional boss, there's really not much you can do about it. Or, depending on the size of the company, if you have a dysfunctional boss, when I was, um, when I was head of uh, Westinghouse TV, uh, and, you know, it was a huge company, thousands of employees. Uh, we had a number of dysfunctional bosses in our, in our employment. Uh, and, um, and I'll tell you about one in a second. And, um, and, and you, what you can do in some of the better of those companies, and I think we had one, is that some employees would go around them and come up to us at the higher corporate level and say, do you know so-and-so, in, uh, the, news, the news director in San Francisco, uh, is doing this. And if we didn't know about it and we'd talk to, you know, we usually would get rid of them. So there are ways to solve the problem if uh, a number of employees feel the same way and the company is big enough. Now, if it's a five-person company and the, and the boss is the owner, there's not much you can do other than keep an eye out for another, another job. But we had a news director at a TV station in San Francisco. I never forgot this. And he was modestly successful. Uh, but he went and told a couple of our people uh, that he had a theory of management. And his theory of management was that he thought of people as rubber bands. And he would stretch them and stretch them and stretch them until they broke. And then he'd throw them out and get another one. Oh, boy. So our, our decision at the management level, despite his professional success, was goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't want somebody like that managing our people. Yeah, absolutely. So how does kindness in the workplace affect a company's bottom line? You know, obviously, customer loyalty, they don't have to spend the money on, on uh, well, employee loyalty. They don't have to spend the money on retaining employees. But how does it affect the bottom line and customer loyalty? Well, I mean, that that's part of the, uh, the gift of uh, kind leadership is that many of these companies, very often, I might add, they're smaller companies. 
There are, uh, but there are also some very, very big ones. Usually, uh, you know, if, if you're man- managing uh, uh, knowledge workers, big, huge, you know, uh, companies like Google and uh, Apple, et cetera, um, uh, that, and, the, and for the most part, those, are, uh, those two are examples of very well-managed companies. Uh, but, you know, there are always flaws everywhere is that usually the bottom line is phenomenal. Doing these things uh, allow your workers to do their very best, to make the products the very best they can be, to go the extra mile, to be extra kind to their employ- uh, to their customers. It always pays off on the bottom line. It in- inevitably pays off on the bottom line. Kindness counts, and it pays off. I thank you so much. Bill Baker, for speaking with us today. Is there anything else I didn't ask that you want to add before we let you go or any kindness story you want to share? Uh, No, except that I'm very grateful that you're in the business of doing what you're doing. And uh, and, uh, we need, uh, you know, we need more of this. It's interesting. Uh, I give lectures uh, in my book about... uh, uh, called uh, and and Michael O'Malley's book, uh, who's even more important in the book, organizations for people, and um, and I and 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 uh, so I, I I go out and talk about the subject at usually business schools all over America. The book was published by Stanford University in California, and I was talking the other day because I was uh, head of public TV in New York. And a close friend of mine was Fred Rogers Aww. and, uh, and Mr. Rogers. And, and one of the things he used to do is he'd say, uh, let's close our eyes and have silence for 10 seconds and think about somebody who was really kind to me, who helped me get to where I am. So I have been kind of, especially with the popularity of the new Tom Hanks film about Fred Rogers. I've been now closing, you know, at some of the biggest business schools in America where I give talks. I say, and I mention him as obviously, a, say the the least, a kind leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the best example probably in the world. And uh, I say, let's close our eyes for a second and think about somebody who did something really kind for me where I benefited. And let's just think about that person. So we do that, and it really gets us through the day because just about every one of us who uh, who uh, has had any form of success, it's usually because we're standing on the shoulders of somebody else. Wow. Yes. That is, that is something that is... I just I think we should just give people let's give them five seconds of dead air here to think about something. Okay, are you ready, Bill? I'm ready. Five seconds. I hope you all had a chance to think about someone who for whom you are grateful and that somebody who lifted you up or mentored you or something in that process. Bill Baker, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate your wisdom. Thank you. That was a conversation with Bill Baker. His new book is called Organizations for People. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. 
If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section.